You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Football Stadium Prince. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case Elder scenario for City right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! And Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. Oh, 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 it is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. What is up, Soccer Maniacs? This is the People's Pitch Podcast, official podcast of your Minneapolis City SC. As always, I am your host, Nate, joined by the 10 to my Hague, John Bisworm. John, <laughs> I think it's a- more of a Hag. Hag? Hag. Hag. Like, like keg with an H. Mm, okay. Well, that's you. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to wrap, it's hard to wrap our head around this, man. It's only we're only a week and a half away from actual Minneapolis city soccer and uh and shit has been just really busy from both a booth ops perspective roster building everything is is just crammed into these last few weeks it's good to be able to find some time to do a to do a show that and just keep that preseason countdown going yeah it's been uh it's been zero hour as we know from a booth team perspective like we got we're meeting tomorrow with it with you know to get the band back together but yeah, everything's kind of come flying at us, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit about it today. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just let's just get after it, man. Yeah, a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, we've got some club announcements that have been that have been made lately that'll, like you said, kind of tie into what we've got cooking in the booth. There's lots going on at these games over the summer, and we want to touch on them because they're it's going to be super fun. And then we've got for the most of the show, we've got special guests uh, Mario Wimberly and Kyle Johnson from Soul of the City's Futsal League. Um, they are going to, the conversation with them is, is going to be, is going to be frankly amazing. So I hope you stick with us because I'm really excited to talk to them. Yeah. Don't, don't get sick of Nate and I before this, <laughs> th- this interview happens, please, please. So before we start, Nate, couldn't help myself. Um, yeah. uh, have you been watching our, our big cousins across the river lately? I have, I got to catch the game, uh, this weekend too. Got to watch it last night. All right. So here's where I go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh they have not uh have now had four games since we last spoke uh and and that that the first of the four was that awful one zero loss to uh austin fc and that's the one yep. where i told you like just go watch it and then tell me what you think mm-hmm. um and I, I think that's where the cracks started to show and it's so early for cracks starting to show um but it, in my opinion that was the game where there was like clear issues and I, I've, I, I put my finger on it. It's an attitude and a, and a mindset issue that I, I, I have pinpointed to being from top down. And I'll, okay. I'll, 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 I'll bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so players are kind of doing their own thing. Um, it, top, top down from a player's perspective too. Like not even like just like your stars, but also like Brent Coleman's like just going on an island by himself. You're like, what? Where? Do, where? Where's this all coming from? Um, so they they look like they have no real plan. They're just kind of doing everything. They're yelling at each other on the field, which is like the first crack in the in the armor, right? Where it's like 
the infighting starts. Mm-hmm. Um, guys are being played out of their position of strength, which is odd. Um, and just a whole big heaping bag of dysfunction that I'm seeing. But then they, they up and go on a three-game run of wins with, like, I, you know, two easy teams, uh, you know, between Colorado and Chicago. Yeah. You know, there's no surprise there. And then sandwiched in between that was, you know, the road open cup match versus the uh, USL one side for Madison, which you kind of believed, like you saw this stuff happen in Detroit and you're like, well, maybe, maybe yeah, Madison. And then the, the lineup that United put out, I was like, this is a total trap for them. Like they're, <laughs> and it's like a rainy, shitty day in Madison. I was like, dude, they, they could get nicked here. And all signs pointed towards, like, they weren't really playing very well. Madison didn't play well at all, to be honest with you, uh, from what I'd seen from them early in the year. But anyways, so then they get they get forward Madison. And then from an outside looking at anything, they figured it out, right? Okay, mm-hmm. we, we righted the ship. We won, we, won, we won three games out of the last four. We're back. So we're back. Yeah, we're back. There are still problems, Nate. Look at their star player, Reynoso. He looks like he's followed in the footsteps of other stars of the past under this coaching staff that is just doing what they want versus what's good for the team around them, as yeah. well as them, like, like being used in it, – it's almost like they're being punished by being placed in areas of the field that they aren't comfortable in and being like, now go perform over there because I told you to. Right. And it's just like, okay, that's weird. And then you have a, a designated player in uh, in is, is it Hunu? Is yeah, that how you pronounce it? Oh, yeah. Hunu, who's been nothing but a shell of the player that was thriving in in both the French first and second division before coming here, which is interesting to me. Um, and then he's cast away to playing meaningless games with the MLS Next Pro second team, <laughs> and then and then which is like pretty get, brutal. Yeah, and then getting, like, the start in, like, the Open Cup game, and they're like, he's back, folks. You're like, <laughs> dude, this guy probably is like, what the hell did I sign up for? <laughs> like, like, can you imagine going from even the French second division to playing in the playing for Minnesota United 2? Like, uh, no, no. Like, what – I'd be, like, calling my agent right away, like, hey, so here's the thing. I'm never mm-hmm. doing this again. Like, get me, get me the hell out of here. And then you have Tyler Miller, who was a former fringe U.S. national team player, who's just like sitting on the bench outside of that open cup game and also playing in second team games where he's not being supplanted by some guy named Dick and like a 19 year old Fred Emmings. So it's like something weird's going on there when they, they, they should clearly like yesterday deal, deal him for whatever they can get for him that, that could be valuable to their team. Right. Like just get the guy out of here. Cause you don't, you don't need it. You don't need two number ones in the MLS. Like when, when has a team ever had that? Um, so that's weird. So there's four goalkeepers on the roster, which is another weird thing. But um, so you have that piece. And then I think that there's there's many more issues that we could probably address if we had like three hours. But we don't. Uh, we have a lot more shit to get into. But are we finally at an impasse where they clearly need to move on from Heath in order to give the fan base like what they truly deserve? Like we talked about the fan base kind of being an afterthought. But like there's people who are still like ride or die and they're getting nothing from the from in the form of a trophy when they probably should have to be honest with you um so are we stuck in that vicious cycle again of like a few hapless wins covering up for like super big issues that keep heath around just long enough to repeat the same shit again like six games later or am i just like an outsider thinking this 
No, I mean, I think that's that sounds exactly like what's going to happen, right? Is this idea that as long as we stay competitive and make the playoffs, um, everybody makes the playoff, probably right? besides like two, <laughs> like four teams. <laughs> right. So it's like uh, I feel like the the standards might be a little low. I, so low. I don't think unless yeah. unless the wheels totally fall off and and the players stop playing for the coach altogether or something like that, like nothing's going to change. Like, but you brought up three really good points around around the roster, John. That goes back to to the our big issue from a few weeks ago that we talked about. You, the question of is it is it the roster building or is it like the game day tactical lineup decision that that is that is the problem? They and have if, the fucking players. Yeah, like, well, I, they do. <laughs> sort of. I mean, first, like you said, this who knew question. This is not only a guy <laughs> who he came from France, but I think if I remember right, he he was playing with his hometown team. Yeah, like he, he gave grew him like up a really there, good, a really good spot. Yeah. yeah, and and he looked a little bit like a flop last year, and, and like you said, this season he's basically been demoted to the kids' table. Oh, but yeah, his he has. his stat line from League Two speaks speaks for itself. So, like, why can't he succeed in the MLS? Like, what wasn't clicking? If you whether it's whether it's from on the scouting side or whether it's on the um, on the management side. If you bring in a proven goal scorer with with your with one of your DP slots, like you kind of got to figure out how to use them, right? So either then, either either you realize when he's here that like mm, this this guy isn't all that he was cut out to be. We got to cut bait and free up that DP slot, or it's like, what are you doing? Well, it's not even that he can't play; he can play. But then they're like, maybe he should be a ten, and you're like, so like his whole entire career, including in like the best league in France, they're like they they got it wrong. They and got it wrong. All these goals, and but the like ML, but the MLS is different, John. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's like, but, and, and, and and he's not like look at the strikers that they brought in before him. I mean, Amari is a little bit of a difference there because they're kind of built the same way. But like Amari is, I think, a better like proven like just like natural goal scorer and like yeah. Hanu, Hanu's got to like do a little bit more to score his goals and like work a little bit harder because he can't do it by himself like he, he's like a guy that like gets on the end of crosses a lot and he doesn't mm-hmm. but he's not a guy who's gonna beat you on me one I mean he can but doesn't really do it very often but it's like then they like but you look at like all the other guys are like big oafs that like run around up top and just like chase down long balls and like knock down things to like a number 10 who can finish mm-hmm. and it's like then you bring this guy in and, every, and like the whole fan base it's all all like all into it like this guy is legit comes from france like he's the guy and then you look at how he's being used and it's like besides being demoted to the kids table it's like even when he was on the field it was like this doesn't look good it it doesn't work yeah and like he didn't fit the system or the system they were running didn't whatever before you get into your second point you know we haven't even talked about is how how robin load was used like when he first got here and everyone's like this guy sucks and i was like actually he's probably our best player He's just not being used, right? Yeah, and, then, and he did. And, I thought he sucked so bad. I was so I was so anti Lud, but now well, I mean he's. The, they, they, I don't know if he figured out or if the team figured it out how to use him. The difference between the two of them is like he would go on international duty and he would he would perform, and then they were like, "Oh, wait a second, that's how you use him." Okay, we'll try that, and then <laughs> the dude starts scoring goals. It's, it's, it's baffling to me. Like, I don't know where the decisions are coming from and, you know, I don't even want to speculate who's making them, but like at the end of the day, who puts the team on the field and tells them what to do? You know, it's, it's not coming from a guy sitting behind a desk. I mean, suggestions are probably coming from them, but anyways, go to your second point. Your second. Oh yeah. So secondly, I think your Tyler Miller point 
I'm less upset about like this feels like a case of Heath going with a hot hand. And that really, that really sucks for Tyler, but it's looking more and more like, like, uh, like Dane is the guy, right? So if we can, if we can find a taker for, for Tyler Miller, that would be optimal. And, and we really could use some of the pieces that maybe we could get the money or, um, or a couple players to help my third point, which is of course we talked about how this team is really hurting for depth off the bench. And they're trying to get you excited for guys like DJ Taylor or, uh, or Nico Hansen or whatever. And that's just like not going to happen. And it's truer than ever. Now that you've got Hassani out for the season, you've got chase out indefinitely. Chase is, he's back now. Is he back with the team? That's good. Well, guess uh, where he was for like two games. Oh yeah. With I know the second oh, yeah. team. Well, he had to kind of come back cause he had his little, but still uh, like, he he's playing with the second team and then the second team goes and they're like we won three of the last four it's like yeah like, yeah i wonder why yeah and like abu don Londi's playing getting minutes there and you're like right. you're like what uh, so many things wrong i don't want to get i into think it. i think this Plungwane guy is looking like a pretty good pickup but otherwise it feels really hard to figure out who's going to help us push for goals with some of the offensive options we have kind of from a depth perspective and, and you know that depth is is off when, like you said, they're putting Reynoso way out like of position. Out, like, like playing him out wide. The guy plays no defense. And no. Not, he's not paid to play defense, to be honest. But, yeah. It's so, like, like, go ahead. You wonder if that's a – is that a roster building thing? Is that, like you said, just Heath being like, I'm just going to put you here to to figure out if you've, if you've got grit. Or are you going to do what I tell you to do? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to go to the kids' table like the other guys? Like, he's using – I think he's using – he's making examples of people to try to, like – make other people like take notice, but he doesn't realize what he's doing to the other people who he's making an example of. And you're like, dude, but like, look at like the infighting I was talking about the two number one culprits for the infighting that I saw were Reynoso and Amaria, which are the two guys you need to lock it. You need locked in. You need to make them happy. And then you got load on the, on the outside. It's like, just passing the ball, do something with it. And, but those other two guys, like Amaria would make a run and then the ball would be like out of bounds. And then Reynoso would be like, you're supposed to go over there. It's like, well, yeah, motherfucker, I'm not over there. I'm over here. Like, I <laughs> I, I chose to go here because I'm also open over here. Like, that now it also is showing me why, from a from a, a, a national team perspective, that Reynoso, who is so dynamic on the ball, isn't even anywhere near the national team with Argentina. Even when he was in, in Boca, and he wasn't even in really regularly in with the first team at Boca either. So they're like, you can see why they like, they're like, they probably were like, yeah, you guys can have him. Here's his price. And they're plays, then when plays he, for himself. Yeah. Then when he left, they probably threw a, threw a huge party. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's like, I, I still watch the games and like, even watching the game yesterday, I was like, it's, just, it's, it's happening again. I'm like it. And like, there's going to be a really bad, disappointing match coming up here in the not too distant future. Where like Galaxy. Some, yeah. And you'll get some sound bites from the coach. You'll be like, you know, I thought they didn't work hard. It's all like tearing the team down through the media and then like throwing them out there with like what looks like no clear direction or direction that they don't really believe in, but they kind of have to try it to see if it works. And then if it doesn't work, half the guys are doing what the coach said and half the guys are like, this doesn't work. And I'm waiting for Ariaga, uh, who I think is a great pickup. Like, uh, yes, he, I agree. He he's a. I still think that they never should have gotten rid of Gregish, but like if you did and you got that guy, I'm okay with it. But like, as soon as that guy gets gets angry, it's all gonna it's all gonna 
go to shit because Will Trap is going to be a, a good soldier to the general and he's going to do what he's told. <laughs> but Ariaga is going to be like, I don't think this is working and he'll be gone too. Um, anyways, we can talk about this. I mean, what, we're like 15, 20 minutes in here still talking about this. Uh, but no, I, I just think that I brought it up because it's like, uh, it's the pattern starting again. And I don't, I, I felt like I was the only person thinking, thinking it. So I'm glad you agree with me, Nate. Yeah, I think we just need to see, we need to see a system that carries us through the big games as well as the games we should be winning. And then I'll start to start to think like, mm, there's, there's going to be a little more soccer in the fall for us. Yeah. But right. But like you said, right now there doesn't feel like there's a, there is a system and we usually will get smacked down when it comes to like, when it comes to, you know, a game against Portland or a game against Seattle or a game against uh, LA coming up. And, and and like you said, like what you asked me right at the beginning, what it's going to take. And I think, the thing with the MLS is the wheels have to totally come off. Like, look at what happened. Look what happened yeah. in San Jose, right? Is yeah. that guy just literally stopped managing? Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. answer questions in the press. He basically stopped showing up for work and it still took him until like the, whatever, like year, seventh, week, seventh week <laughs> no, of the season years. to, to like fire him. You know, he wanted out and he, he stopped working. It's like, like a kid that just stops showing up for school. Like it takes yeah. a while, but the teacher will finally fail you. So let me, my last point here before we'll, and we'll clearly move on is like, say that this is the situation happened at Minneapolis city, like me as like a, and I don't know what happens behind closed doors over there. So I'm not even going to pretend, but like, if it was us and like this stuff was happening, like as a senior member of like the back of the house, I would like have a conversation with the, like not only the coaching staff, but also like Adam. And I'd be like, what's going on, man? Like, just tell me before I like tell you what I'm seeing. And like, just hear about it. I don't know if that's happening over there. I think that like, maybe I don't think people talk. And like, if they do, it's just like, what's the bare minimum conversation we can have? Because Mm -hmm. we really don't, we don't like, we don't see eye to eye. Um, But anyways, so we move on. Um, Anyways, back to our little set. Let's talk about city. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we briefly noted that uh, there was some club news that hit the streets this week. uh, The mean streets uh, this week. (laughs) That we wanted to to mention, and that's the announcement of the Minneapolis that Minneapolis City is doing the most minor league thing of all minor league things, and that is game day promotions. Nate, yes, uh, yes, uh, this the, the state is no stranger uh, to when it comes to these types of experiences uh, at the lower level. With the gold standard, in my opinion, of them all, with the St. Paul, uh, the St. Paul Saints. Mm-hmm. having like a proven track record of all these sorts of things. Um, and, and our little engine that could soccer club is throwing their hat in the ring and following suit. So before we get to all that, are you uh, two questions for you? Uh, one, what do you think of this type of stuff? I I like it a lot, John. I think like, I do too. I, do too. I think it's, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to say it's super gimmicky. I think it just makes the game way more fun. Um, it brings more people to this to the stadium. Bring it gets it's easier for for people to bring their friends if they if something more fun is going on. It, the Saints games are great. It's easier to watch players that you might not be super familiar with or super invested in when you've mm-hmm. got other stuff going on around the stadium. So I, I like it a lot. I think it's it's going to be it just plus it just makes the team feel like an like a real minor league team. Yeah, I I'm sorry, you're out here who's getting late <laughs> doing all these interviews. Excuse me. Um, I know I I agree with you. I like it too. Um, so for all the reasons you said, I don't. There's not much more for me there. So number two that I have for you here is 
Do you have like any favorite game day promos that you've seen in the past by sports organizations? Yeah. I mean, minor league baseball pretty much takes the cake across the board. I think there's a lot of great like apparel and stuff tie-ins, but until we get a sausage race, John, <laughs> our, our game day is going to feel incomplete. As I'm literally wearing a Brewers hat <laughs> right now. Um, How about I'm you? What's, have you seen, have you seen a favorite? Yes. So I have a St. Paul Saints favorite and it's a little bit of a story, but I'll be brief. So the first I moved here in 2010 and everyone's like, you got to check even people in Milwaukee are like, Hey, how close are you to St. Paul? Like you got to check out a Saints game. So they're over at the Midway, not far away from my old South Minneapolis uh, duplex. My wife and I lived in before we, we got, we got married and moved to the burbs. So we like hop on the bikes, load up the beers, we ride bikes to the stadium and it's just a blast. Like it, it, we like walked into like a tailgate for, that someone else was throwing. They're like, yeah, come on over. And I'm like, this reminds me of Wisconsin. I love it. So then I get into the game and I was like, this is awesome. There's a pig that's like getting the bats and like all this stuff. And then come the se- seventh inning, they had the seventh inning fan of the inning and they like randomly yeah. selected a seat. So they like, call out in the sixth inning like the winner of the seventh inning fan of the inning is seat number whatever and then like this lady stands up and she's just like the happiest person since like she found out that there was sliced bread or something and uh so she she is like everyone's cheering and then she just has whisked away by like the promotions crew and then i go get a beer and i come back and we're sitting like kind of third baseline by the outfield and uh i look at the outfield wall and this lady is sitting in a chair that is built into the outfield wall. Like she's physically in play. Like if a ball is hit <laughs> off the, like she, and but here's the thing, she's strapped in with like, they had to like, and I asked my wife, I was like, what, how did she get up there? They're like, oh, they brought like a ladder. And then like two the, guys hooked her in. Like and then a they, seat like, belt. She's like sitting in the chair. Like it's a, like it's a car, like a carnival ride or something. <laughs> It's like a jump seat, like in a, in a plane, you know, yeah. like, like a cargo plane. Like she has like, like race car seatbelt. Like, yeah. it, and like, she could probably get herself out, but then she's like 12 to 20 feet in the air. Like, what are you going to do? Jump? Like, and this That's lady, sweet. Was, I'll just put it this way. This lady did not, uh, she wasn't in shape, if you know what I mean. Um, so uh, there's like, so she, she goes the first half, half of the inning. They don't hit a ball out of the infield. And then like, they're like, give it up for so-and-so as the fan of the inning. And she's like cheering and stuff. And then the opposite team is up. And the first pitch, the guy ropes one off of <laughs> the bat. And like, I think it's going out and everyone's standing up. And then it just nails her in the chest. Like, <laughs> like just square, square in the chest. And this lady, you can like almost hear the air come out of this woman. Thwack. Yeah. Like, ugh. and then she, so she's like, and then like the outfielder like just picks up the ball and fires it in and then is like not paying attention and this lady's like physically injured <laughs> so they had to stop they had to stop play once like the ball got to the infield and then the, the guys had to come out with the ladder and haul this lady's ass <laughs> off the wall and so then so that so that, that was my favorite promotion and I, I think it's great i think every major league baseball and minor league baseball team should do this because it was awesome but one but of then, their fans like, is a target yeah and then it made me think of two things. Well, one, like next time I went back, the seat wasn't there anymore. So they clearly mm-hmm. figured that one out. But two, have you seen Bull Durham? Three Bull Durham? Yeah. Where he like tells the guy a fastball's coming and he hits like the bowl. And then he's like, I think, and then the catcher goes up to the pitcher. He's like, man, he, he hit that thing like he knew it was coming. He's like, he did. I told him. 
And he's like, man, I think that guy won a free steak at the steakhouse because he hit the ball. And I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking like, what was what, what happens if you hit the lady? Like, do you get like a, a, <laughs> like a, a free mattress or something? Like something weird, you know? Like, um, you know, like when they were brainstorming that, they were like, you know, they were like, but what happens if someone hits, hits a ball at her or hits like, a ball at no, her? Sitting there, like, no way is that ever going to happen. The, this exactly. lady, this lady got smoked. Got him. Um, well, it would be got... like, well, it would be like us putting someone, like strapping them down to a chair in the goal. Not like yeah. on the end line, but like in no, the like goal. in the in the corner. Yeah, just hanging from the corner mm-hmm. and like in play, and, mm-hmm. and then like a pen, a penalty being taken, and it's like that person's <laughs> oh, getting hit. That person's getting hit. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, that's my favorite. That was my favorite by far. Well, we've got City has some awesome promos coming up this summer that that the team was announcing, and I'm really, I mean, each one of them is just is just blowing up. Like the first one, of course, is is that due to playing at a couple different high schools for a little blip in in May, because they're uh, redoing the turf, I think, at Augsburg, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so both May 20th versus Peoria City is at Breck. And May 27th versus Dakota Fusion at Blake is, uh, since they're at high schools, we're, we're calling them prep weeks. And so we, the team made, the team made those, the polos of the, the freaking, it's like you replace the horse with the crow and we got the Rolf Lauren crow polos that are for sale. Plus you get two tickets for only 40 bucks. Like that's a really good deal. So you can get your tickets and your polos on the website. You can show up to prep week, look and fly. You can get a couple different polos and pop the collar on both of them, whatever. I think it's, I, I mean, I know who came up with this one and I think it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's kind of, I mean, who is it making fun of? You know, like, and also like, I feel like we're playing it's a victimless City. crime, John. We're playing. Yeah, it is. We're playing Peoria city on the 20th. Like we're not making fun of them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And we're playing like Dakota fusion who, I mean, like they have no cares in the world about anything. It seems like, so it's like, we're playing two teams that like this wouldn't offend them. But like, I do feel like if this were some teams not going to name them, they would like figure out a way to be offended by this. And oh, then yeah. it'd be like, and it'd be like a call from the league. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, well, you know, our city has a high percentage of preppies and it's obvious that they know this. Shut up. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> the second well, one that, I want to talk that about that's awesome. Too big. Oh, right. The second one I want to talk about that sounds awesome is is Fight Night, uh, and I'm not sure why they picked this team, but it's when we play the Minnesota Twin Stars, June 8th. We're calling it Fight Night, and you can dress as your favorite wrestler from the past or the present, along with every. And then we're gonna also do some sumo suit wrestling at halftime. That sounds like a good time. We dabbled last year in halftime games and they were fairly entertaining. So I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're extending that, that trend into this year and busting out the sumo suits for fight night. Cause that's going to be a good time. So it's, yeah, it's fine. This is what I was talking about in the last promo where it's like, someone may get offended. Like someone mm-hmm. could get offended here, but like we got, we got the sumo suits and it's, it's, it's all in good fun. And it's not like, we're not saying like anything we're not, we're, Something might be implied, but we're not saying it, saying it exactly. But mm-hmm. like, I think that you, instead of dressing like your favorite wrestler, maybe like your favorite boxer, you know, like what oh, if someone yeah, okay. showed up as like Butterbean or, you know, like <laughs> Butterbean. I think a lot you know? of our fans could show up looking like Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm more of a, I, I don't know, John, who's your favorite wrestler? Who are you going to show up looking like? Oh, no doubt. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
Hey, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm board. going, I'm going tugboat <laughs> or Coco beware with, with, <laughs> with, with the, the parrot, pe- with a parrot. I think that's, yes. you should, I think you and Nordo who like to wear your, uh, your, your proud boys, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your proud boys Hawaiian shirts in the booth should definitely go with Coco beware. No way. No way. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Maybe a uh, million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Undertaker. I could do that. Or Paul Bearer, maybe? Like, the go Paul a little bit outside the box? Looks super creepy. Yeah, yeah Paul Bearer. Mankind. Just have the sock. <laughs> He's great. Maybe maybe that's one of the weeks where, like, Nordo can't make it, and I just do the commentary by myself as the, as uh, as Mankind, and I, I have the, the sock puppet with me. I wonder uh, if we tweeted Mankind if he would show up. <laughs> <laughs> What's his real name? Mick something? Anyway. Mick Fo- Nick Foley. Yeah, Nick Foley. Yep, Nick Foley. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak ill of Nick. Uh, is it Mick or Nick it's Foley? Mick. It's, it's Mick. It's Mick with Foley. an M. I don't want to speak ill of Mick Foley for what he probably could do to me, but I feel like the revenue streams might be a little bit dried up where you could probably get him for, like, cheap cameo fees to, to show up for that one maybe i don't know he might just show up just for fun some he's kind of a character uh the next yeah, one yeah. i want to talk about that's really my favorite one and this one's been top of mind for me for a couple of days is we were, we're doing meat raffles john june 18th it. and june 25th uh thanks to our sponsor partner kramar chicks uh the amazing the amazing polish deli out in, <laughs> up there in northeast um, that we're giving away meat, so everyone gets a ticket uh, with their with their admission, and I'm just going to be calling numbers throughout the game, and you're going to win all sorts of delicious things. Yeah, I love it, and it, this takes me back to when we held the NPSL meetings, and Dennis Crawley from from Stockade. <laughs> we took him to a bar that had a, we took him to uh to uh, what you call it down by the old shop. Yeah, uh, well, uh, what was the Cardinal. That? The Cardinal, and they had a meat raffle, and he was absolutely floored. By no, the it's fact. not a thing that's that that really is. A, it doesn't exist anywhere else except for the Midwest. Yeah, it's really I'm something I'm. It's something I'm learning lately as I talk about the meat raffle to people I yes. work with. And like, th- he was just like, "Wait a second, what is that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's a meat raffle. You just like pay for a ticket, and if they call your number, you go to like a cooler and you pick out some meat." And he's like, "Like hamburger meat?" And I'm like, "Maybe." could be a steak could be like some brats could be whatever he's like then what do you do with it i was like well i don't know where you come from but where i come from you cook it <laughs> what do you uh, do with it you eat it dummy and he's like well i what if i win and i'm like then you win meat and he's like well, what do i do with it then and i'm like I, that's your decision you want it and then he leaves and he comes back with a whole pocket full of numbers <laughs> <laughs> what do i do with it don't just want- stare at it Eat he it. won nothing. He won nothing, but he was so into it. Um, but from, I think I, the meat raffle is great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And Kamarchuk's has some decent meat. So yeah. you're definitely going to walk away with something good. But from what I hear, these are just the taste of what is going to come. There may be uh, some other announcements for other, uh, a few other future promos uh, for home matches this summer. So come on out and get in on the fun to learn more about these and all future, uh, future promotions head on over to mplscdsc.com and check out the schedule uh or as always you can keep an eye out on twitter there'll definitely mm-hmm. be some some cool twitter twitter posts around that stuff but yeah I'm, I'm into it if you're plugged into the grassroots game here in the twin cities our next guests are going to need little introduction uh, both of these men each have 
a like-minded vision, and they are the spearheads of two organizations that folks around uh, our Minneapolis City soccer ecosystem should become very familiar with. We are pleased to welcome Mario Wimberly of TC Soul and Kyle Johnson of the Karen FA. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. We've already talked... <laughs> talked a little bit off the air about how excited everyone is so this is going to be this is going to be a good time and also we've talked about how difficult technology is <laughs> true, true. thank you yeah, for having us on thank you yeah thanks for having us on guys on the platform i'm happy to be here yeah so we typically guys like to start off with kind of the same question for all of our guests um so why don't we start with you mario tell us about your soccer journey are, are you originally from around here? Did you play around here? How did you, how did you, uh, how did you grow up with soccer? Oh, great question. Um, I'll try to condense that a little bit. I know we have a limited time, but um, I'm a Minnesota kid. Um, grew up in South Minneapolis. I um, I found the game actually. Uh, my parents are from the South. They moved to the Twin Cities when I was two years old, and. Um, we moved to Minneapolis and then um, we're looking for a different environment. So um, my mother moved to the suburbs and during recess is actually where I found the game. Um, kids weren't playing anything else. So I want to thank all those kids if they're listening. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but, you know, picked up the game, fell in love with it. Uh, I was playing other sports at the time, but just fell in love with soccer. Um, that 86 World Cup kind of did it for me. I was uh, watching that and, and Maradona and, and, and all the excitement that went along with that. And it's something I just kept playing. Um, kept, uh, went on to play for a lot of clubs, local clubs here in the area, probably at least five clubs, um, back in that, this is around the, this is a mid, mid to late eighties. So, um, kind of dating myself, but, but I've been on the Minnesota soccer scene for a while as a player is where I started. And then, um, was fortunate enough to play, um, played in the ODP program, uh, that, uh, here in Minnesota also played at, um, four years varsity at, uh, Washburn high school, South Minneapolis. Sweet. And then, yeah, and then I was fortunate enough to go on and play at Howard University out in Washington, D.C. Nice. Um, yeah, from there, uh, uh, stepped away from the game for a bit, um, had my son, and that got me right back in. And that's when I began coaching. My daughter came along, and then I started coaching rec soccer, coach travel soccer. And then uh, from there, it just, it, it, it just goes and goes. But that's the that's the short version. That is – that's that's awesome, man. That's – um. You've got some deeper soccer roots in the cities than most of our guests, so that's really that's really exciting to hear. Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. I think it's mainly because I'm I'm an older guy, but but yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, same, Kyle, same question yeah. for you. Uh, you know, what's your soccer background? Uh, so grew up here. Um, grew up in Highland Park. Uh, my my parents were big soccer fans. We had season tickets to the kicks, uh, was out at Met Stadium, kicking the ball in the parking lot before games. Nice. I remember some of those games, and you know, that, those are the days of uh, when Pelé was at, at the New York Cosmos. So oh, wow. um, I'm dating myself a little bit as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my, my parents were big into the game and got me into the game, played rec ball growing up, and then uh, got into the local club scene with the St. Paul Blackhawks, started like around 10. I made it through junior year of high school. Um, I played pretty competitively, and then I burned out. I ended up uh, quitting my senior year of high school. I was I was slated to be the captain of the team and everything, and 
I just didn't love the game anymore. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to have anything to be a part of it. So I uh, moved on, and then much like Mario, I had kids, and uh, my oldest got, got into playing and uh, kind of did some coaching, really focused on opening up gyms for, uh, for players and bringing players in. Actually got to meet Aaron Olson, who's a city alum. Is he still with the team this year? I, I, he I is. Know. I think we're gonna oh. have to have to forcefully remove him at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Drag he's his incredible. body out one day. <laughs> yeah, he, he's incredible. Just like a solid person through and through. And so, um, you know, got connected with them, and and then uh, hook up with a lot of the local uh, communities in town here, um, ones that sit outside the the mainstream system, and uh, it's kind of where I'm at right now. Kyle, I, I empathize with you. There was a point in time uh, in like the early 2000s. That, that was what I get to date myself a little bit. But after <laughs> after playing at a high level where soccer was my my full time job, and I, I I got done and I moved moved back to Milwaukee and I just like I I, I burned out too. Where it was like I I didn't even want to watch soccer on TV, which was so hard for me to like wrap my head around it. But I just like. I needed to step away from the game for a little bit in order to like bring it back into my life again to at, at like such a, a passionate level. And I think it's interesting because a lot of, a lot of people like think about like, you know, you, you get, you get bit by the bug and then it's, it's there for the rest of your life. But for some of us, it, it's, it's not the case. Like you, you, you just kind of fall out of love with it. Like you do anything that you're passionate about, but it always seems to creep back in somehow. Yeah. Well, I agree. Listen. Listen, that's why I love working with Mario because, you know, Mario and I, we, we have a lot of the same visions on things, but like, it's really about the love for the game, having fun with the game, giving kids opportunities. And, you know, I, I see it more now and now where, where uh, kids have the potential to get burned out a lot quicker than when I was in, in junior high and high school, just because, you know, they're, they're playing, they're one sport athletes a lot of the time. Um, you know, I think something that goes unsaid is that when Tony and Manuel and, you know, at the St. Paul Academy of its heyday, all those guys were three sport athletes and, and look, look where they ended up. I mean, they, they yeah. played at the highest level. They were all three sport athletes. I mean, even, you know, you go, you go beyond soccer and you look at Matt Burke and Joe Maurer, all the Cretan kids, all those guys were three sport athletes too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think you got to be very careful with the kids and, uh, make sure especially at a young age that they're having fun with the game right that they're Absolutely. really enjoying the game well, i actually want to want to dovetail a little bit off of what you what you kind of started talking about i was going to ask it a little bit later once we learn a little more about your organizations but now seems a good time to kind of move that one up the list is how did you, the two of you end up coming into the like how did your your how did your soccer soul kyle and uh collide with mario's soccer soul and, and you guys start working together <laughs> great no pun intended um <laughs> Well, uh, fortunately, we were Coach Matt, there, this, the, the first team coach at Minneapolis City, great guy. Um, right after the pandemic, uh, maybe it was after the, the George Floyd and the uprising, I think between that and I think the pandemic was, you know, that stuff is like a blur now, but I think it was all around the same time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he had put together just like an informal group of coaches. We called it the good guys of soccer. It was pretty cool groups. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we it actually reunited, um, I think, here actually today maybe. But it was probably like I would say maybe uh, five to ten coaches. And we would just get on the phone and just discuss the game in the local area. Well, the game in the broader sense, but also, 
the game in our local area, Minnesota soccer, and specifically what could each of us do individually and collectively to make the game better? You know, it's pretty broad, but that's kind of what the purpose of the group was. So mm -hmm. I got to know Kyle and, and a, a lot about the things that he was doing in his community. And I was, you know, I had so much respect for this guy. Um, you know, I tell him that all the time. And just what he's done, you know, he's selfless, giving a lot of himself, his time to the community and really using the game as a tool. Um, so so we met uh, through this group. And then once we got to, we started learning about each other. And uh, I noticed right away, like, hey, we have a lot of things in common. He was just kind of doing things on the other side of the river, as we like to say. Um, mm -hmm. But what happened was uh, I, at the time, TC Soul was doing, uh, we were doing our, we had started doing free clinics in North Minneapolis, just trying to bring some access and exposure to the game in that, that side of town. And we, you know, we couldn't go inside any longer because of COVID. So, you know, I think Kyle and I and, and, and Matt and maybe a couple others, we, you know, ch chimed in and we were like, you know, we had a free clinic coming up and we were like, hey, can we all just get together and just amplify this, you know, just come out, let's connect with the kids. So I think we had our first unofficial um, uh, outdoor uh, free clinic in North Minneapolis at North Commons Park. And, you know, it was TC Soul, it was KFA. Um, the Minneapolis City players came out, coaches came out. We had great mm -hmm. kids from the community. And um, that's kind of what, what got us together. So so from there, then, you know, we went on to, to our bigger vision, or not bigger, but our, our next vision. But that that's how we uh, kind of, that's how I remember. Kyle may have some something else to add. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, you're spot on there, Mario. Uh, you know, I think, I think collectively the two of us have always uh, seen the game as a vehicle to uh, really bring kids together. And, and, you know, now more than ever, we can really unite communities and uh, get them to experience, you know, just each other as people through the game. And mm -hmm. so, you know, Mario's vision on that, my vision on that, you know, it's, it's, it's something that not, not many people are looking at, right? A lot of people are looking at, you know, straight wins and losses, you know, um, and, and I think for us, wins and losses is, is really connecting communities. Correct. Great. Nice. Mario, it was only a, I feel like it was only a few years ago that TC Soul started to pop up at like Brian Katrine's Futsal League at the, at the Y. I know you guys made some appearances and tourneys lo like locally and in, down in Kansas City. And at the time, it kind of felt like it was like a futsal super team for that like <laughs> o, that like 07 age group, right? 06 to 08 or something, isn't that? My kids are both that same age, so that's how I, I kind of remember that. Talk a little bit about the early days of, of TC Soul and, and how it's evolved to, to what you're doing now. Yeah, well, um, like you said, those were the early days, um, probably around 2018 or so. Um, just got together with a friend of mine and, our, you know, both of our kids were um, pretty good little players. And, you know, from a from a playing side of things, um, I, I feel that futsal is just something that all kids, as we know, in Europe and South America, you know, a lot of kids, they, they play futsal um, and soccer, but they, you know, then they have to make a choice at probably their teen years. So some keep mm -hmm. going with futsal. I just think it's a great game just, just for the, you know, just for to, to, to become a, a more skillful player, a better player. Um, you know, younger kids get, get, get tons of touches, um, get th tons of touches in the game and, and um, things like that. So, pardon me, guys. I lost my train of thought. Where's I going with that? What was Early days of TC about? Soul. Oh, how, sorry. How it was evolved. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Get off on <laughs> So, so um, we we put our team together. You know, entered a lot of tournaments. Um, good group of kids. A lot of kids that I had coached. 
um, you know, from, from various uh, years, prior years before. We got all the kids together. And, you know, we entered some tournaments, had some success. Um, like you said, we entered a lot of local leagues and tournaments. Um, kids were developing nicely. So on the playing side, everything was great. Um, but I, I felt that there was more that we could do through the game. Um, when I start, started reflecting on my experience and just the financial barrier that my mom had to endure just so I could play the game. So I, I, at that point, I, I wanted to kind of reimagine some things and see what more can we do with the game through futsal, because I knew that for me, access, you know, was a, was a big piece. So we, we kind of, you know, came up with four core principles at TC Soul, which were, or which are fun, development, community, and accessibility. So everything that we do now, and, and pretty much from, you know, the last few years, you know, they're all centered around those four core principles. So we're always, you know, interested in developing kids through the game. But as we know, the bigger win is developing good people because, you know, some kids just want to play for the social piece. Some kids want to go on and play in college or pro. But um, one thing about the game is we know it's, it's the world's game and it brings everyone together. So we just try to do as many things we can around those principles. Nice. Kyle, how did you come to know kind of your side of the, of the partnership? How did you come to know the Karen uh, Football Association? How did you end up leading their, their soccer organization? So, um, I, my, my oldest son who, who got really involved in the game, uh, was fortunate enough to be a part of, a a, a string of, uh, a run at the state tournament during high school. So he went to Como Park high school. Uh, they had made five straight state tournament appearances. He, uh, the, his freshman year, they won the state tournament and, you know, he was just like super fortunate to be a part of it. And uh, there's a number of the Karen players Park City Conference. And so many of them went to Como, a handful of Washington and Humboldt. And so I got to know the community through there. And um, where, you know, I really got into things and, and really saw things was, it was around his junior year of high school. And so we had gone to all these state banquets and one thing stood out to me that year, and, and that was that on the boys' side, the teams were starting to become much more diverse, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you, you had some teams like from Austin, um, from Worthington, from Faribault that were becoming more diverse. And, you know, it, it made sense because you would have immigrant families moving to some of these smaller towns <clears throat> because of work, right? There's, there's yep. a lot of factory work in some of those towns. So... On the boys' side, they were becoming diverse, but then what I really noticed was that on the girls' side, it wasn't diverse at all. You still had the, the very affluent communities um, were, were representing the girls' side, and um, I, I saw something different, right? Being at Como for three years now, um, I saw some amazing athletes, young women who were just incredible, and so I... I uh, I said, listen, you know, I want to kind of devote some my, of my time right now and, and providing some of the same opportunities I provided for him, but for young women who obviously deserve the opportunity. So I started opening up gym spaces, talking to the schools and, and getting more time specifically for these girls in St. Paul. 
Well, I ended up coaching at Como for a few years and, and really getting to know these players. And, you know, for example, um, I had a player my first year of coaching at Como. She came in as a freshman. And her four years at Como, she was an all-state high school player. She had never played club. She had only done pickup, right? She had just yeah. played within, within her community. And she was this incredible athlete. Three of the four years, she led, she was in like the top five of the state in either goals or assists. And that was like A and double A. So, I mean, wow. she was a phenomenal who nobody knew about, right? Because she wasn't in the mainstream system. And so, like, she is just an example of so many young women in not just the current community, but in all of these communities out there that don't have the same kind of access and opportunity that, you know, some of these other families do. Oh, so, I want to I put a pin in that for later. We'll talk about that. I've got a question about that coming up, but that that's amazing. And then um, kind of just through some connections I had, uh, it turned out that the, the Tibetan women's soccer team, was, uh, we have, I, I didn't know this before, but we have a large Tibetan population within the city. And they were trying to bring in the women's national team for a friendly and to stay here. And it didn't work out. But I, I, I learned about an organization called Kanifa. And that is, uh, it's like FIFA, but it's for um, stateless communities around the world, right? And so they were giving them this opportunity to have a national team, all of these different communities around the world, a national team. Um, even though they didn't have geographical borders that they could call their nation. And so I learned about them and I'm like, man, you know, the current community really deserves to have this opportunity. There's so many great athletes, both on the women's and the men's side, like they really deserve to have this opportunity. I never thought like I would get it if I would apply, right? Because here <laughs> I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm not Karen. Right, I've worked with a lot of the current athletes, both boys and girls, but that was in, in on the high school level. I never thought I would get it, but I was like, you know, what the heck? Why not? I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a shot. And so I applied and, and, and went through the process and they were like, Hey, you know, we think this is a, a, a fantastic idea. You're in. And at that point I was like, Wow, what you know, what just happened here? <laughs> and and you know, this is this is a much bigger deal than than I, I, I thought, and so that's how KFA started. And, um, I saw this as an opportunity. I had been working with, you know, the the girls on the girls' side primarily for about three years now, and I saw this as an opportunity to really promote gender equity, right? Because, and 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 do it in a bit different way. So, the way that I look at things is. It's fantastic for organizations around the world to be giving more women opportunities. That's great. But at the end of the day, truthfully, the men and the boys that have to change their mindset, their perception, the way they talk about women, before we're going to really make any serious, serious change on gender equity. And so I looked at this as an opportunity. Like, I, I, I'm a big believer in role models. And so here, by having two national teams within the community, we've created two sets of role models, right? We have the set of role mm -hmm. models who are women, 
And you know, I, I tell this story about Suni Lee, the, the, the U.S. gymnast. And I said, you know, two years ago when Suni Lee won the world championships, I said, watch. You're going to see within the next five years this huge influx of young Hmong girls wanting to be gymnasts because of one person, because of Suni Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's this whole idea of see it, be it. When you can see yourself in a spot, like you're going to aspire to get to that spot. And this isn't just in sports. This is in life. Mm -hmm. And so with the, the women in the current community, if now all of a sudden we have a women's national team, now we have all of these young girls that can say, hey, that can be me. Now if we have these women who are going to college to play, hey, that can be me. I want to do that. So we've set up the, you know, role models on the, on the women's side that way. On the men's side, right, it's the same thing, right? It's the see it, be it. Yes. I mean, look at you. I, I love what City's doing with the futures. Like you've given so many opportunities to many of the current players. I mean, it's huge. It's that whole see it, be it thing. And it's, it's been big for the ones that have been a part of that. But on top of that, if the boys who are five, six, seven, eight, nine years old in the current community are looking up to these athletes who are men who are saying the right things about women, doing the right things, right? Treating women the right way. Then we start really penetrating. Then we start really talking about a generational change of gender equity, right? And so I thought this was a, a huge opportunity um, to to really make a dent in 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 that and and and, and make some some real influence on mm -hmm. on the in, the lives of both the women and the men within the community. I think you know we we touch on this occasionally on the show, Kyle, but I think you you're making an amazing point even in just this short amount of time about how this about how the game of soccer can open so many conversations around equity up for so many different people and i think that's 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 really valuable for sure it is absolutely so, so mario when the casual soccer mind spins up the tc soul website and sees things like you mentioned a little bit earlier but like focus on player development creating opportunities and accessibility for young players encouraging creativity and passion implementing curriculum uh that you know supports a, a whole player's development a lot of this resonates with what we tried to do at the senior levels at Minneapolis City. There's a there's a lot of youth options around the cities. Your focus has been, you know, teaching this in in some of the communities where the options are somewhat limited for for many different reasons. What have you seen in the, you know, is the most successful part of your organization's mission on players that stands out the most to you? And and are there any maybe underlying organic transitions for a youth player that completes your program and steps into maybe what Jeremiah, Brandon, and Eli are doing with the Futures program as they, they age out of your program? Uh, that's a good question. Um, can, you, can you repeat the first part again? I'm sorry, I'm gonna take notes here. <laughs> we talk, we, you know, if, if someone's, you know, doing the research and then the, the, the casual soccer you know, supporter, or they're looking maybe to get uh, one of their, their kids into, into soccer and, and they pull up your website, you know, it's focusing around development, creating opportunities, making things accessible, you know, the, the encouragement of creativity and passion for the game, all, all the good stuff that like folks like us are just like, yeah, that's a no brainer. Um, but 
what have you seen, you know, with that focus in the teaching that you've done with TC Soul? Like, uh, what stands out to you um, as, you know, the success story with the program? And then how do you see that maybe being a transitional platform to maybe what we're doing with the futures? Gotcha. I, I would say um, all those things that you mentioned, but I think really there's there's so much potential in young players. I mean, when you start this game, pretty much for, for the most part, a lot, uh, you know, the young kids start at the same the same place. I mean, culturally, the game is bigger with some communities, so there may be a little head start. But I think that, you know, accessibility is probably, you know, we have we have a lot of success stories around that. You know, one one in particular is we had a young man who he, he lives outside of the Twin Cities um, and there's a there's a financial barrier um, with his family. Um, which, which, you know, as we, we, we spoke earlier, just excludes the tons of kids. So he found us um, and was able to come to one of our cost-free clinics. Um, and, and his family traveled far, you know, I think it was from far south and, and came all the way to North Minneapolis just for that opportunity. Um, phenomenal, you know, player for his age, loves the game. Um, my proudest moment, one of my proudest moments was when he was selected to be um, in the uh, in, in, in a uh, one of the one of the top clubs, I'd say one of the top clubs in the city, um, selected them, you know, to be on his team, and he he received a scholarship um, to play. So so that was that was that's that was very important to us because you know a lot of teams and clubs they they focus in on you know the technical or the tactical, which is important when you're talking about player development. But I think what gets lost in the youth game is the people development, mm -hmm. and I I think a lot of that is just because you know, when you get the finances involved and you have people that are, you know, they're, they're trying to make a living or, you know, partial living and, you know, we get caught up in wins and losses and tourneys and traveling, all of that stuff is cool. But for us, it, it's like I said, our four core principles, you know, so, so the accessibility has to be the biggest one um, in that community that kind of comes with that. I mean, we have kids from every community. We have Hispanic kids, we have black, American kids, we have black kids, white kids. We have Asian kids, you know, and they're all meeting through the game. So, you know, a lot of the people that even are helping us with this league um, that we want to talk about, they're, they're, kid, they're, they're people that I've known 30 plus years and I met through the game. So really connecting community and accessibility are the core principles. Now, the other two, you know, fun is, is paramount. You must be having fun. You know, if you're not having fun, the kids aren't going to connect to the game. Um, and then, you know, of course, the technical and tactical, those are just, just the playing pieces. But I would say um, that piece would definitely connect to getting kids like to, to a futures, you know, with a, with a solid, uh, solid playing foundation. And, and I think that starts with just basic ball mastery, having fun, small sided stuff, um, you know, foot skills and things like that. But um, so, so I, I hope that answered your question. But those, those, uh, those are the parallels I see right there. No, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what what the Futures program has brought to our organization to help that pipeline of younger players kind of get move into the senior the senior team, it 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 only makes sense that our organizations are connected because it, it's kind of a an, an what you might call an a, an adult extension of what you're doing. You know, we we only deploy players from Minnesota. We don't go out and and, and bring other players in. We want to win a national title with Minnesota-based players. Um, so it, it it seems like you know that there's a nice organic transition into the opportunities that we have with our futures program, and also it being accessible with the scholarship 
um, opportunities that we have there that, 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 that it's, it's a nice move for players uh, that are kind of aging out of what, what you've, you've already established. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree 100%. And, um, and I think they're doing, you guys are doing an excellent job with the Futures program. I'm pretty familiar. Um, I've actually sent a couple of players that way. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, that, that, that's an amazing, amazing um, asset for our state for young players because, you know, we have a lot of clubs and things, but, but um, we really need to get more kids having this opportunity to, um, you know, soccer can change people's lives. That's just the reality. And I've seen it happen. Um, so, so as long as we can continue, you know, with programs like Futures, KFA, and, you know, what we're doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think we can make that a reality. Yeah, absolutely. So Kyle, our, our organization and yours have come together in the past, you know, whether it be last year's preseason friendly that we had uh, in downtown, which, which was, uh, was a great opportunity to bring, bring everyone together. You already mentioned a number of players from your organization are, are under the city banner um, in one way or another. Uh, our goalkeeper coach, John Pucci, we share him. So uh, he's another one, uh, a little collective resource sharing there. Why do you feel, you know, Mario talked a little bit about it, but why do you feel the, the your organization and, and our organization outside of maybe Matt Van Benskoten um, have collided so well so far? Well, listen, um, I, uh, I'll be completely honest. You guys have been genuine. You've been authentic and you've been real. You know, too many times have I seen, you know, I, I look at the talent and we'll, we'll just say the current community right now. And, and you've seen some of the talent that ha- has come through with, you know, mm-hmm. this new batch of futures, but also, you know, look at w- with Mutu and Ekusei. I, I I look at these players and they are individually beyond a lot of the the kids their age. You know, when they were in high school, they were they were just so much further beyond, and they had never played club, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they learned their skills, their abilities, like through their community, playing with older guys, right? A mixture of things. They've learned their skills on their own. And too many times I've seen other clubs come into these communities and cherry pick these kids out of these communities. Mm-hmm. And that's not helping the community. Mm-hmm. And then these clubs will go on and, the, and they'll claim that, you know, yeah, we developed these players. No, you didn't develop the players. <laughs> you came in and, and you took them because you knew they, they could help you win. Right? Don't ever, don't ever say you developed the players. And it, it, it bothers me, right? Because they, they did not do a great job of connecting with the community, seeing why these players are so good, right? I've always said, listen, these youth clubs need to bring on some of the, the, the players, the older men, who, whoever's helping train these kids, bring them into the club, can let, truthfully connect with the community but they're not, they're just cherry picking players. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think City has been very genuine, um, very real, very sincere about the process that they take and, and, and the reasons you're doing it. Right? I, I, I would never want to player um, or suggest a player go into an environment that I don't feel is going to be right for them, that I don't mm-hmm. feel that uh, the intent is right for that player. And so, I, I mean, I, I think that City, truthfully, 
is the only one that I've seen doing what you do and, and, and trying to connect with the communities in a very real way. Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's the focus. I mean, that it, I think we've all seen the, the, the dark CD underbelly of soccer at all levels. And it just, it's kind of, it just sucks when, <laughs> when you see all that happen and you're like, it's not the point, you know, it's not about, um, stuffing the resume of a DOC so that they could take their next <laughs> job through the, you know, on the backs of kids, you know, exactly. and, and, and it's, it's just, it's, it, it, it's there. It's tough to see. It's tough to talk about, but it, it's real. And, and whenever you can break that mold and really get down to the core things about why, why we all got into playing soccer and, and how you can, can move people on um, in, into their own individual successes with you or without you, that's really the point. And it's, it's tough for people to, to, to hang their hat on that when the, the almighty dollar is at stake. And, uh, and, and it's about winning and making money. And, uh, and it, so it, it, it's, it's there, but, you know, that's why, you know, certain organizations like your guys are, are truly like the crown jewels that people need to hear about because uh, of what you guys do. Um, so I, I have one more question before Nate has another one. Uh, uh, but this one, obviously getting to, to the most pressing topic at hand, each of you have a ton going on with your respectful programs and, and everything that you guys are doing. But there's a collab happening this summer uh, with the Souls of City, the Souls of the Cities League. Uh, I'll open the floor to either of you, whoever wants to tell us about it. Um, you know, and of course, you know, what can we maybe do to signal boost this? Um, you know, on the show, how can we get people to help? Like, what do you guys need? Um, and, and how can people find out about it and get involved? Mario, um, you want to jump in? <laughs> uh, hey, I can't. So yes, yeah, soul of the, soul of the cities. This is a, this is a, this is a big bang, um, that, uh, collaboration, um, KFA and TC soul. We partnered last year for the inaugural season, um, of our, the first that we know of serve to play futsal league. So you hear a lot about pay to play and we all know what that is we've talked a little bit about it here earlier but um serve the play we we you know just just our principles and um of both of our organizations we, we which are similar we put it together and said hey how can we have more access how can we shine the light on kids from various communities who who are not in that traditional system and how can we best serve those communities in which we play so we came up with Soul of the Cities League. We played in North Commons Park last year in North Minneapolis. Um, we we were about four to six weeks long uh, in the summertime in, around July, running from all the month mm. of July into August. Last year was, uh, I think, into the first week of August. But what we did was, um, you know, we started this league. It's, it's, it's cost-free, but you must serve one hour of service. Um, so it's one hour of service, nice. one hour of play. And we, we also provided free lunches for everyone because wow. we are aware of, of yeah, food insecurity. You know, that was something that I learned a lot more about just working in some of my, um, my, my cost-free clinics that a lot of kids weren't having a nutritious meal. And we know that that sucks. You can't play soccer if, you, if you're hungry. So we, mm -hmm. we came up with this league, a um, lot of community help. Like I said, City was a big, big help. A um, lot of community partners um, in North Minneapolis as well and, and outside of the city. Um, and uh, we, we, we had in-kind donations, donations, and we had uh, sponsorships. So we had some bigger companies involved. Um, U.S. Bank was one, Mortensen, a lot of local businesses in the area. And they, they, they put up dollars so that the kids 
could enjoy this league and um, meet kids from different communities. We had kids from every community out there and it was a really, really a big success and we felt good about it. So the big news is, is that, you know, we're back again for season two and nice. um, yeah, we, we, uh, we want to be even bigger and better. We want to serve more and we want to reach more kids. Um, last year we had over, we had seven, 720 hours of community service that was done by all of our kids. Wow. Oh wow! We planted, yeah, we planted a hundred new trees in North Minneapolis. We had a hundred and sixty youth players involved. We uh, donated hundred and fifty swimsuits to the local pool there in the community. Um, we had uh, seven hundred and twenty free meals, and uh, we cleaned seventy-five drains uh, in the Minneapolis um, neighborhood. So this year awesome. we have some some more fun uh, community projects that, that we're putting together as we speak. Um, and we have some really exciting teams involved. Um, and that's where we are. I'll let Kyle uh, speak a bit and then, you know, I can piggyback in. So, so this year we've uh, really connected with the, the local high schools and it's a very diverse group of local high schools. I think one of the, 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 the great things that we recognized last year was, you know, when we talk about diversity, there's also the, the aspect of um, socioeconomic diversity too. And we, you know, we, we thought it, it's important to bring in really everyone. And so last year we, we had Fu Fusion come in and the families from, you know, Plymouth and Wyzetta, which was incredible um, to, to have them, you know, play in North Commons and then also interact mm, with a lot of the kids in the different communities that we, we we have and and so you know we're doing that again this year and so we have um we're going to be in st paul this year so we're, we're actually there's a, a couple of really great futsal courts um Wisconsin high school and so we're going to be on the, yeah. the east side of st paul this year uh playing there and, and doing a lot of the community service work there um, I think the, the the new thing that we have for, for season two is this. We've, we've started a, a program called Community Champions. And what we're going to do is we are raising money to donate to a handful of the teams that are going to be involved uh, within our league. So as a high, former high school coach, I know how hard it is at times to raise money for the teams and to get the right equipment and 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 you know we want to have nice stuff for the kids to give them a good experience and so for instance you know jonah fields the the boys coach um over at, at como park high school I've, I've known him for a long long time he is incredible at you know finding all of these unique ways to to get money for um the boys program at como and uh, year after year He's at the state fairgrounds shoveling horse poop out of the stall <laughs> right, to, to raise money for the program. And wow. like they, they get a tremendous amount of money. I, I was lucky enough to do it myself, go help out when my son was there. And it's, I, it's a ton of work for these kids yeah. and the people involved. But, you know, it's that's how some of these schools have to raise money. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so we see this as an opportunity to make a donation to boys and girls high school teams or grassroots organizations that, you know, we know these funds could really help them in their efforts in providing good opportunities for kids. So That's, we're really excited about that. 
That's awesome. I got one more question for you guys. We've got about five minutes left, so I don't want to, you know, um, sorry to sorry to try to cram this in at the end because I think you could unpack this for its own show. <laughs> but we know that there are a lot of soccer-loving minority communities here in the Twin Cities, whether you're talking about the Karen, the African-American community, you've got Luis doing his thing with the Revolution League, Mexicans, Ecuadorians, Somalis, Oromo, Tibetans, yes. which I just learned about today. I was today years old. When I found out about the Tibetan <laughs> community here, the list goes on and on, right? Like what work needs to get done? This is, this is the crux of the question. What work needs to get done to close the opportunity gap and get kids who aren't as plugged into the academy system noticed by colleges and higher level teams and give them the, the opportunity to continue their education and their, and their development? Well, what, what comes to mind for me is um, two things. Again, we're, we're always coming back to the same thing, but there's that just that financial barrier. I just think that we're, we're just missing too many kids um, and, and we have to be able to have the proper people out identifying those kids. So we need more programming similar to what Kyle and I are doing. I think we need, uh, you know, we need to, to put, put the kids from, you know, there's a lot of kids in, in certain communities in inner city who, you know, there's tons of talent all over the place, but we, we're just not able to to get those kids in position to be seen. So when we can put them on a, a platform, so to speak, or, you know, in the spotlight, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. So so I think we need more programming because, listen, the talent is here. Talent is in Minnesota. The talent is in the United States. This is a fact. And I stand by that. But now are we doing the best job of making the game as accessible as we could? I say no. I'd agree. And That's think, amazing. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I think it also has to do with, with some understanding, to be honest with you, right? I, I, I think that coaches, uh, college coaches, pro coaches, are getting to know people in these communities. And and I'll, I'll speak specifically for the young women that I work with in, in the current community, right? They live a life where they are specifically told by their families that they're not supposed to play soccer. Yeah, there's a social they're... construct in a lot of these communities. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. You, you touched on it with the SUNY Lee thing too. You If you see it, there's some permission there now. Right. You're absolutely right. But deep in these communities, there's this, especially for the girls, right? There is, they're not supposed to be playing. They're not supposed to be in athletics. That's not success. It's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And I think having a, a real understanding of where these kids are coming from, what their responsibilities are. I have, you know, 14 year old kids doing their family's taxes. Huh. Wow. I have a hard enough time doing my own taxes. Yeah. So, oh you, know, I, you know, there's these responsibilities that both the boys and the girls have within these communities that the soccer community has to like really get a better understanding of where these kids are coming from. Sure. How does that relate to the game? How can right? How do we get them into the game? Well, and guys, it's been important. it's been amazing talking to you. I want to make sure we leave uh, the listeners with a way to learn more. So, if we could, um, you know, where can people go to get in contact with um, to learn more about TC Soul, to learn more about the Karen FA, and to learn a lot more about Soul the Cities League. Well, for um, playwithsoul.com, and that's soul, S-O-L, playwithsoul.com, that's our website for the league. Um, 
learn everything about the league that we spoke about here. Um, there's also a donation page if you're feeling in a uh, giving move, please do. Um, like I said, we, we have a lot of initiatives that, we're, that we want to hit this year and uh, invest back in the community. Um, TCSoulFootsall.com is our website and also at TCSoulFootsall on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And then for the Karen Football Association, it's KarenFA.com. And then on Instagram and Facebook at Karen Football Association. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, guys. It's been a wonderful conversation. Really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to working more with you uh, throughout the summer and uh, looking forward to seeing each other at our at, at our events and our games. So, um, again, thanks so much for joining us on this uh, on this Sunday evening. And uh, get ready because soccer's, more soccer is coming all summer. Oh, yeah. Coming. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you both. We appreciate uh, it. Th- yeah, thanks, Absolutely. guys. Take thank you, guys. Yep. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's show, folks. And thank you to our wonderful show sponsor, footballstadiumprints.com. If you're in the market for supremely curated soccer-focused graphic design on anything from mugs to T-shirts, head on over to footballstadiumprints.com and fill your cart up. You can even get down on their NFT game. If you follow them on Twitter, there's some some really cool stuff that Steve's got doing uh, got going on there. So check them out. And don't forget to use the code CROWS10 for 10% off everything you purchase outside of those NFTs. And remember, all U.S. orders ship right from these here states, so there's no pesky international shipping charges. If you're like me, and uh, like you mentioned last week, got taken to the woodshed as well by Uncle Sam, remember that MPLS City SC is a 501C3. That's a lot of letters right there. Mm-hmm. Consider and, and numbers. Beef, and numbers. Consider beefing up your tax deductible donation ahead of next year through a charitable gift to the to the club. If you're interested in getting a hold of us, uh, it's really easy. We've we've made it super simple. Uh, we, we we mentioned it in the last sec or in the in the previous portion of the show. Uh, it's simple. You head over to the website uh, at mplscitysc.com on Twitter at mplscity or through the show at the People's Pitch or via email mcsepodcast at gmail.com. Super easy. Super hard to say, super easy to do. So that's all for this week's show, folks. I am John. That, of course, was Mario from uh, TC Soul and Kyle from the Karen FA. And, of course, that was Nate. We are, oh, so close to firing live bullets, friends. So now is the time with all these promotions to go out there and get those tickets. Go to mplscdsc.com, get your tickets. And, of course, you got love. I love meat.